Chapter Twenty Nine of Framley Parsonage by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter Twenty Nine. Miss Dunstable at home. Miss Dunstable did not look like a lovelorn maiden as she stood in a small antechamber at the top of her drawing-room stairs receiving her guests her house was one of those abnormal mansions which are to be seen here and there in london built in compliance rather with the rules of rural architecture than with those which usually govern the erection of city streets and town terraces it stood back from its brethren and alone so that its owner could walk round it it was approached by a short carriageway the chief door was in the back of the building and the front of the house looked on to one of the parks miss dunstable in procuring it had had her usual luck it had been built by an eccentric millionaire at an enormous cost and the eccentric millionaire after living in it for twelve months had declared that it did not possess a single comfort and that it was deficient in most of those details which in point of house accommodation are necessary to the very existence of man consequently the mansion was sold and miss dunstable was the purchaser cranbourne house it had been named and its present owner had made no change in this respect but the world at large very generally called it ointment hall and miss dunstable herself has frequently used that name for it as any other it was impossible to quiz miss dunstable with any success because she always joined in the joke herself not a word further had passed between mrs gresham and dr thorne on the subject of their last conversation but the doctor as he entered the lady's portals amongst a tribe of servants and in a glare of light and saw the crowd before him and the crowd behind him felt that it was quite impossible that he should ever be at home there it might be all right that a miss dunstable should live in this way but it could not be right that the wife of dr thorne should so live but all this was a matter of the merest speculation for he was well aware as he said to himself a dozen times that his niece had blundered strangely in her reading of miss dunstable's character when the gresham party entered the ante-room into which the staircase opened they found miss dunstable standing there surrounded by a few of her most intimate allies mrs harold smith was sitting quite close to her dr easyman was reclining on a sofa against the wall and the lady who habitually lived with miss dunstable was by his side one or two others were there also so that a little running conversation was kept up in order to relieve miss dunstable of the tedium which might otherwise be engendered by the work she had in hand as mrs gresham leaning on her husband's arm entered the room she saw the back of mrs proudie as that lady made her way through the opposite door leaning on the arm of the bishop 
mrs harold smith had apparently recovered from the annoyance which she must no doubt have felt when miss dunstable so utterly rejected her suit on behalf of her brother if any feeling had existed even for a day calculated to put a stop to the intimacy between the two ladies that feeling had altogether died away for mrs harold smith was conversing with her friend quite in the old way she made some remark on each of the guests as they passed by and apparently did so in a manner satisfactory to the owner of the house for miss dunstable answered with her kindest smiles and in that genial happy tone of voice which gave its peculiar character to her good humour she is quite convinced that you are a mere plagiarist in what you are doing said mrs harold smith speaking of mrs proudie and so i am i don't suppose there can be anything very original nowadays about an evening party but she thinks you are copying her and why not i copy everybody that i see more or less you did not at first begin to wear big petticoats out of your own head if mrs proudie has any such pride as that pray don't rob her of it here's the doctor and the greshams mary my darling how are you and in spite of all her grandeur of apparel miss dunstable took hold of mrs gresham and kissed her to the disgust of the dozen and a half of the distinguished fashionable world who were passing up the stairs behind the doctor was somewhat repressed in his mode of address by the communication which had so lately been made to him miss dunstable was now standing on the very top of the pinnacle of wealth and seemed to him to be not only so much above his reach but also so far removed from his track in life that he could not in any way put himself on a level with her he could neither aspire so high nor descend so low and thinking of this he spoke to miss dunstable as though there were some great distance between them as though there had been no hours of intimate friendship down at greshamsbury there had been such hours during which miss dunstable and dr thorne had lived as though they belonged to the same world and this at any rate may be said of miss dunstable that she had no idea of forgetting them dr thorne merely gave her his hand and then prepared to pass on don't go doctor she said for heaven's sake don't go yet i don't know when i may catch you if you get in there i shan't be able to follow you for the next two hours lady meredith i am so much obliged to you for coming your mother will be here i hope oh i am so glad from her you know that is quite a favour you sir george are half a sinner yourself so i don't think so much about it oh quite so said sir george perhaps rather the largest half the men divide the world into gods and giants said miss dunstable we women have our divisions also we are saints or sinners according to our party the worst of it is that we rat almost as often as you do whereupon sir george laughed and passed on i know doctor you don't like this kind of thing 
she continued but there is no reason why you should indulge yourself altogether in your own way more than another is the frank i am not so sure but he does like it said mr gresham there are some of your reputed friends whom he owns that he is anxious to see are there then there is some hope of his ratting too but he'll never make a good staunch sinner will he mary you're too old to learn new tricks eh doctor i am afraid i am said the doctor with a faint laugh does dr thorne rank himself among the army of saints asked mrs harold smith decidedly said miss dunstable but you must always remember that there are saints of different orders are there not mary and nobody supposes that the franciscans and the dominicans agree very well together dr thorne does not belong to the school of st proudie of barchester he would prefer the priestess whom i see coming round the corner of the staircase with a very famous young novice at her elbow from all that i can hear you will have to reckon miss grantly among the sinners said mrs harold smith seeing that lady lufton with her young friend was approaching unless indeed you can make a saint of lady hartletop and then lady lufton entered the room and miss dunstable came forward to meet her with more quiet respect in her manner than she had as yet shown to many of her guests i am much obliged to you for coming lady lufton she said and the more so for bringing miss grantly with you lady lufton uttered some pretty little speech during which dr thorne came up and shook hands with her as did also frank gresham and his wife there was a county acquaintance between the framley people and the greshamsbury people and therefore there was a little general conversation before lady lufton passed out of the small room into what mrs proudie would have called the noble suite of apartments papa will be here said miss grantly at least so i understand i have not seen him yet myself oh yes he has promised me said miss dunstable and the archdeacon i know will keep his word i should by no means have the proper ecclesiastical balance without him papa always does keep his word said miss grantly in a tone that was almost severe she had not at all understood poor miss dunstable's little joke or at any rate she was too dignified to respond to it i understand that old sir john is to accept the children hundreds at once said lady lufton in a half whisper to frank gresham lady lufton had always taken a keen interest in the politics of east barsetshire and was now desirous of expressing her satisfaction that a gresham should again sit for the county the greshams had been old county members in barsetshire time out of mind oh yes i believe so said frank blushing he was still young enough to feel almost ashamed of putting himself forward for such high honours there will be no contest of course said lady lufton confidentially there seldom is in east barsetshire i am happy to say but if there were every tenant at framley would vote on the right side i can assure you of that 
lord lufton was saying so to me only this morning frank gresham made a pretty little speech in reply such as young sucking politicians are expected to make and this with sundry other small courteous murmurings detained the lufton party for a minute or two in the antechamber in the meantime the world was pressing on and passing through to the four or five large reception-rooms the noble suite which was already piercing poor mrs proudie's heart with envy to the very core these are the sort of rooms she said to herself unconsciously which ought to be provided by the country for the use of its bishops but the people are not brought enough together she said to her lord no no i don't think they are said the bishop and that is so essential for a conversazione continued mrs proudie now in gloucester place but we will not record all her adverse criticisms as lady lufton is waiting for us in the ante-room and now another arrival of moment had taken place an arrival indeed of very great moment to tell the truth miss dunstable's heart had been set upon having two special persons and though no stone had been left unturned no stone which could be turned with discretion she was still left in doubt as to both these two wondrous potentates at the very moment of which we are now speaking light and airy as she appeared to be for it was her character to be light and airy her mind was torn with doubts if the wished-for two would come her evening would be thoroughly successful but if not all her trouble would have been thrown away and the thing would have been a failure and there were circumstances connected with the present assembly which made miss dunstable very anxious that she should not fail that the two great ones of the earth were tom towers of the jupiter and the duke of omnium need hardly be expressed in words and now at this very moment as lady lufton was making her civil speeches to young gresham apparently in no hurry to move on and while miss dunstable was endeavouring to whisper something into the doctor's ear which would make him feel himself at home in this new world a sound was heard which made that lady know that half her wish had at any rate been granted to her a sound was heard but only by her own and one other attentive pair of ears mrs harold smith had also caught the name and knew that the duke was approaching there was great glory and triumph in this but why had his grace come at so unchancy a moment miss dunstable had been fully aware of the impropriety of bringing lady lufton and the duke of omnium into the same house at the same time but when she had asked lady lufton she had been led to believe that there was no hope of obtaining the duke and then when that hope had dawned upon her she had comforted herself with the reflection that the two sons though they might for some few minutes be in the same hemisphere could hardly be expected to clash or come across each other's orbits her rooms were large and would be crowded 
the duke would probably do little more than walk through them once and lady lufton would certainly be surrounded by persons of her own class thus miss dunstable had comforted herself but now all things were going wrong and lady lufton would find herself in close contiguity to the nearest representative of satanic agency which according to her ideas was allowed to walk this nether english world of ours would she scream or indignantly retreat out of the house or would she proudly raise her head and with outstretched hand and audible voice boldly defy the devil and all his works in thinking of these things as the duke approached miss dunstable almost lost her presence of mind but mrs harold smith did not lose hers so here at last is the duke she said in a tone intended to catch the express attention of lady lufton mrs smith had calculated that there might still be time for her ladyship to pass on and avoid the interview but lady lufton if she heard the words did not completely understand them at any rate they did not convey to her mind at the moment the meaning they were intended to convey she paused to whisper a last little speech to frank gresham and then looking round found that the gentleman who was pressing against her dress was the duke of omnium on this great occasion when the misfortune could no longer be avoided miss dunstable was by no means beneath herself or her character she deplored the calamity but she now saw that it was only left to her to make the best of it the duke had honoured her by coming to her house and she was bound to welcome him though in doing so she should bring lady lufton to her last gasp duke she said i am greatly honoured by this kindness on the part of your grace i hardly expected that you would be so good to me the goodness is all on the other side said the duke bowing over her hand and then in the usual course of things this would have been all the duke would have walked on and shown himself would have said a word or two to lady hartletop to the bishop to mr gresham and such like and would then have left the rooms by another way and quietly escaped this was the duty expected from him and this he would have done and the value of the party would have been increased thirty per cent by such doing but now as it was the newsmongers of the west end were likely to get much more out of him circumstances had so turned out that he had absolutely been pressed close against lady lufton and she when she heard the voice and was made positively acquainted with the fact of the great man's presence by miss dunstable's words turned round quickly but still with much feminine dignity removing her dress from the contact in doing this she was brought absolutely face to face with the duke so that each could not but look full at the other i beg your pardon said the duke they were the only words that had ever passed between them nor have they spoken to each other since but simple as they were accompanied by the little by-play of the speakers 
they gave rise to a considerable amount of ferment in the fashionable world lady lufton as she retreated back on to dr easyman curtsied low she curtsied low and slowly and with a haughty arrangement of her drapery that was all her own but the curtsy though it was eloquent did not say half so much did not reprobate the habitual iniquities of the duke with a voice nearly as potent as that which was expressed in the gradual fall of her eye and the gradual pressure of her lips when she commenced her curtsy she was looking full in her foe's face by the time that she had completed it her eyes were turned upon the ground but there was an ineffable amount of scorn expressed in the lines of her mouth she spoke no word and retreated as modest virtue and feminine weakness must ever retreat before bare-faced vice and virile power but nevertheless she was held by all the world to have had the best of the encounter the duke as he begged her pardon wore in his countenance that expression of modified sorrow which is common to any gentleman who is supposed by himself to have incommoded a lady but over and above this or rather under it there was a slight smile of derision as though it were impossible for him to look upon the bearing of lady lufton without some amount of ridicule all this was legible to eyes so keen as those of miss dunstable and mrs harold smith and the duke was known to be a master of this silent inward sarcasm but even by them by miss dunstable and mrs harold smith it was admitted that lady lufton had conquered when her ladyship again looked up the duke had passed on she then resumed the care of miss grantly's hand and followed in among the company that is what i call unfortunate said miss dunstable as soon as both belligerents had departed from the field of battle the fates sometimes will be against one but they have not been at all against you here said mrs harold smith if you could arrive at her ladyship's private thoughts to-morrow morning you would find her to be quite happy in having met the duke it will be years before she has done boasting of her triumph and it will be talked of by the young ladies of framley for the next three generations the gresham party including dr thorne had remained in the antechamber during the battle the whole combat did not occupy above two minutes and the three of them were hemmed off from escape by lady lufton's retreat into dr easyman's lap but now they too essayed to pass on what you will desert me said miss dunstable very well but i shall find you out by and by frank there is to be some dancing in one of the rooms just to distinguish the affair from mrs proudie's conversazione it would be stupid you know if all conversaziones were alike wouldn't it so i hope you will go and dance there will i presume be another variation at feeding time said mrs harold smith oh yes certainly 
i am the most vulgar of all wretches in that respect i do love to set people eating and drinking mr supplehouse i am delighted to see you but do tell me and then she whispered with great energy into the ear of mr supplehouse and mr supplehouse again whispered into her ear you think he will then said miss dunstable mr supplehouse assented he did think so but he had no warrant for stating the circumstances a fact and then he passed on hardly looking at mrs harold smith as he passed what a hang-dog countenance he has said that lady oh you're prejudiced my dear and no wonder as for myself i always liked supplehouse he means mischief but then mischief is his trade and he does not conceal it if i were a politician i should as soon think of being angry with mr supplehouse for turning against me as i am now with a pin for pricking me it's my own awkwardness and i ought to have known how to use the pin more craftily but you must detest a man who professes to stand by his party and then does his best to ruin it so many have done that my dear and with much more success than mr supplehouse all is fair in love and war why not add politics to the list if we could only agree to do that it would save us from such a deal of heart-burning and would make none of us a bit the worse miss dunstable's rooms large as they were a noble suite of rooms certainly though perhaps a little too 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 scattered we will say hey bishop were now nearly full and would have been inconveniently crowded were it not that many who came only remained for half an hour or so space however had been kept for the dancers much to mrs proudie's consternation not that she disapproved of dancing in london as a rule but she was indignant that the laws of a conversazione as re-established by herself in the fashionable world should be so violently infringed conversaciones will come to mean nothing she said to the bishop putting great stress on the latter word nothing at all if they are to be treated in this way no they won't nothing in the least said the bishop dancing may be very well in its place said mrs proudie i have never objected to it myself that is for the laity said the bishop but when people profess to assemble for higher objects said mrs proudie they ought to act up to their professions otherwise they are no better than hypocrites said the bishop a spade should be called a spade said mrs proudie decidedly said the bishop assenting and when i undertook the trouble and expense of introducing conversaciones continued mrs proudie with an evident feeling that she had been ill-used i had no idea of seeing the word so 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 misinterpreted and then observing certain desirable acquaintances at the other side of the room she went across leaving the bishop to fend for himself 
lady lufton having achieved her success passed on to the dancing whither it was not probable that her enemy would follow her and she had not been there very long before she was joined by her son her heart at the present moment was not quite satisfied at the state of affairs with reference to griselda she had gone so far as to tell her young friend what were her own wishes she had declared her desire that griselda should become her daughter-in-law but in answer to this griselda herself had declared nothing it was to be sure no more than natural that a young lady so well brought up as miss grantly should show no signs of a passion till she was warranted in showing them by the proceedings of the gentleman but notwithstanding this fully aware as she was of the propriety of such reticence lady lufton did think that to her griselda might have spoken some word evincing that the alliance would be satisfactory to her griselda however had spoken no such word nor had she uttered a syllable to show that she would accept lord lufton if he did offer then again she had uttered no syllable to show that she would not accept him but nevertheless although she knew that the world had been talking about her and lord dumbelow she stood up to dance with the future marquis on every possible occasion all this did give annoyance to lady lufton who began to bethink herself that if she could not quickly bring her little plan to a favourable issue it might be well for her to wash her hands of it she was still anxious for the match on her son's account griselda would she did not doubt make a good wife but lady lufton was not so sure as she once had been that she herself would be able to keep up so strong a feeling for her daughter-in-law as she had hitherto hoped to do ludovic have you been here long she said smiling as she always did smile when her eyes fell upon her son's face this instant arrived and i hurried on after you as miss dunstable told me that you were here what a crowd she has did you see lord brock i did not observe him or lord de terrier i saw them both in the centre room lord de terrier did me the honour of shaking hands with me as i passed through i never saw such a mixture of people there is mrs proudie going out of her mind because you are all going to dance the miss proudies dance said griselda grantly but not at conversaziones you don't see the difference and i saw spermoil there looking as pleased as punch he had quite a circle of his own round him and was chatting away as though he were quite accustomed to the wickednesses of the world there certainly are people here whom one would not have wished to meet had one thought of it said lady lufton mindful of her late engagement but it must be all right for i walked up the stairs with the archdeacon that is an absolute proof is it not miss grantly i have no fears when i am with your mother i know i must be safe i am not so sure of that said lord lufton laughing mother you hardly know the worst of it yet who is here do you think i know whom you mean i have seen him said lady lufton very quietly 
we came across him just at the top of the stairs said griselda with more animation in her face than ever lord lufton had seen there before or the duke yes the duke said lady lufton i certainly should not have come had i expected to be brought in contact with that man but it was an accident and on such an occasion as this it could not be helped lord lufton at once perceived by the tone of his mother's voice and by the shades of her countenance that she had absolutely endured some personal encounter with the duke and also that she was by no means so indignant at the occurrence as might have been expected there she was still in miss dunstable's house and expressing no anger as to miss dunstable's conduct lord lufton could hardly have been more surprised had he seen the duke handing his mother down to supper he said however nothing further on the subject are you going to dance ludovic said lady lufton well i am not sure that i do not agree with mrs proudie in thinking that dancing would contaminate a conversazione what are your ideas miss grantly griselda was never very good at a joke and imagined that lord lufton wanted to escape the trouble of dancing with her this angered her for the only species of love-making or flirtation or sociability between herself as a young lady and any other self as a young gentleman which recommended itself to her taste was to be found in the amusement of dancing she was altogether at variance with mrs proudie on this matter and gave miss dunstable great credit for her innovation in society griselda's toes were more serviceable to her than her tongue and she was to be won by a rapid twirl much more probably than by a soft word the offer of which she would approve would be conveyed by two all but breathless words during a spasmodic pause in a waltz and then as she lifted up her arm to receive the accustomed support at her back she might just find power enough to say you must ask papa after that she would not care to have the affair mentioned till everything was properly settled i have not thought about it said griselda turning her face away from lord lufton it must not however be supposed that miss grantly had not thought about lord lufton or that she had not considered how great might be the advantage of having lady lufton on her side if she made up her mind that she did wish to become lord lufton's wife she knew well that now was her time for a triumph now in this very first season of her acknowledged beauty and she knew also that young good-looking bachelor lords do not grow on hedges like blackberries had lord lufton offered to her she would have accepted him at once without any remorse as to the greater glories which might appertain to a future marchioness of hartletop in that direction she was not without sufficient wisdom but then lord lufton had not offered to her 
nor given any signs that he intended to do so and to give griselda grantly her due she was not a girl to make a first overture neither had lord dumbelow offered but he had given signs dumb signs such as birds give to each other quite as intelligible as verbal signs to a girl who preferred the use of her toes to that of her tongue i have not thought about it said griselda very coldly and at that moment a gentleman stood before her and asked her hand for the next dance it was lord dumbelow and griselda making no reply except by a slight bow got up and put her hand within her partner's arm shall i find you here lady lufton when we have done she said and then started off among the dancers when the work before one is dancing the proper thing for a gentleman to do is at any rate to ask a lady this proper thing lord lufton had omitted and now the prize was taken away from under his very nose there was clearly an air of triumph about lord dumbelow as he walked away with the beauty the world had been saying that lord lufton was to marry her and the world had also been saying that lord dumbelow admired her now this had angered lord dumbelow and made him feel as though he walked about a mark of scorn as a disappointed suitor had it not been for lord lufton perhaps he would not have cared so much for griselda grantly but circumstances had so turned out that he did care for her and felt it to be incumbent upon him as the heir to a marquisate to obtain what he wanted let who would have a hankering after the same article it is in this way that pictures are so well sold at auctions and lord dumbelow regarded miss grantly as being now subject to the auctioneer's hammer and conceived that lord lufton was bidding against him there was therefore an air of triumph about him as he put his arm round griselda's waist and whirled her up and down the room in obedience to the music lady lufton and her son were left together looking at each other of course he had intended to ask griselda to dance but it cannot be said that he very much regretted his disappointment of course also lady lufton had expected that her son and griselda would stand up together and she was a little inclined to be angry with her protege i think she might have waited a minute said lady lufton but why mother there are certain things for which no one ever waits to give a friend for instance the first passage through a gate out hunting and such like miss grantly was quite right to take the first that offered lady lufton had determined to learn what was to be the end of this scheme of hers she could not have griselda always with her and if anything were to be arranged it must be arranged now while both of them were in london at the close of the season griselda would return to plumstead and lord lufton would go nobody as yet knew where it would be useless to look forward to further opportunities if they did not contrive to love each other now they would never do so lady lufton was beginning to fear that her plan would not work but she made up her mind that she would learn the truth then and there 
at least as far as her son was concerned oh yes quite so if it is equal to her with which she dances said lady lufton quite equal i should think unless it be that dumbelow is longer-winded than i am i am sorry to hear you speak of her in that way ludovic why sorry mother because i had hoped that you and she would have liked each other this she said in a serious tone of voice tender and sad looking up into his face with a plaintive gaze as though she knew that she were asking of him some great favour yes mother i have known that you have wished that you have known it ludovic oh dear yes you are not at all sharp at keeping your secrets from me and mother at one time for a day or so i thought that i could oblige you you have been so good to me that i would almost do anything for you oh no 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 she said deprecating his praise and the sacrifice which he seemed to offer of his own hopes and aspirations i would not for worlds have you do so for my sake no mother ever had a better son and my only ambition is for your happiness but mother she would not make me happy i was mad enough for a moment to think that she could do so for a moment i did think so there was one occasion on which i would have asked her to take me but uh, but what ludovic never mind it passed away and now i shall never ask her indeed i do not think she would have me she is ambitious and flying at higher game than i am and i must say this for her that she knows well what she is doing and plays her cards as though she had been born with them in her hand you will never ask her no mother had i done so it would have been for love of you only for love of you i would not for worlds that you should do that let her have dumbelow she will make an excellent wife for him just the wife that he will want and you you will have been so good to her in assisting her to such a matter but ludovic i am so anxious to see you settled all in good time mother ah but the good time is passing away years run so very quickly i hope you think about marrying ludovic but mother what if i brought you a wife that you did not approve i will approve of any one that you love that is that is if you love her also eh mother but i rely with such confidence on your taste i know that you can like no one that is not ladylike and good ladylike and good will that suffice said he thinking of lucy robarts yes it will suffice if you love her i don't want you to care for money griselda will have a fortune that would have been convenient but i do not wish you to care for that and thus as they stood together in miss dunstable's crowded room the mother and son settled between themselves that the lufton grantly alliance treaty was not to be ratified i suppose i must let mrs grantly know said lady lufton to herself as griselda returned to her side 
there had not been above a dozen words spoken between lord dumbelo and his partner but that young lady also had now fully made up her mind that the treaty above mentioned should never be brought into operation we must go back to our hostess whom we should not have left for so long a time seeing that this chapter is written to show how well she could conduct herself in great emergencies she had declared that after a while she would be able to leave her position near the entrance door and find out her own peculiar friends among the crowd but the opportunity for doing so did not come till very late in the evening there was a continuation of arrivals she was wearied to death with making little speeches and had more than once declared that she must depute mrs harold smith to take her place that lady stuck to her through all her labours with admirable constancy and made the work bearable without some such constancy on a friend's part it would have been unbearable and it must be acknowledged that this was much to the credit of mrs harold smith her own hopes with reference to the great heiress had all been shattered and her answer had been given to her in very plain language but nevertheless she was true to her friendship and was almost as willing to endure fatigue on the occasion as though she had a sister-in-law's right in the house at about one o'clock her brother came he had not yet seen miss dunstable since the offer had been made and had now with difficulty been persuaded by his sister to show himself what can be the use said he the game is up with me now meaning poor ruined ne'er-do-well not only that that game with miss dunstable was up but that the great game of his whole life was being brought to an uncomfortable termination nonsense said his sister do you mean to despair because a man like the duke of omnium wants his money what has been good security for him will be good security for another and then mrs harold smith made herself more agreeable than ever to miss dunstable when miss dunstable was nearly worn out but was still endeavouring to buoy herself up by a hope of the still expected great arrival for she knew that the hero would show himself only at a very late hour if it were to be her good fortune that he showed himself at all mr sowerby walked up the stairs he had schooled himself to go through this ordeal with all the cool effrontery which was at his command but it was clearly to be seen that all his effrontery did not stand him in sufficient stead and that the interview would have been embarrassing had it not been for the genuine good-humour of the lady here is my brother said mrs harold smith showing by the tremulousness of the whisper that she looked forward to the meeting with some amount of apprehension how do you do mr sowerby said miss dunstable walking almost into the doorway to welcome him better late than never i have only just got away from the house said he as he gave her his hand oh i know well that you are sans reproche among senators as mr harold smith is sans pleur eh my dear i must confess that you have contrived to be uncommonly severe upon them both said mrs harold laughing 
but as regards poor harold most undeservedly so nathaniel is here and may defend himself and no one is better able to do so on all occasions but my dear mr sowerby i am dying of despair do you think he'll come he who you stupid man as if there were more than one he there were two but the other has been upon my word i don't understand said mr sowerby now again at his ease but can i do anything shall i go and fetch any one oh tom towers i fear i can't help you but here he is at the foot of the stairs and then mr sowerby stood back with his sister to make way for the great representative man of the age angels and ministers of grace assist me said miss dunstable how on earth am i to behave myself mr sowerby do you think that i ought to kneel down my dear will he have a reporter at his back in the royal livery and then miss dunstable advanced two or three steps not into the doorway as she had done for mr sowerby put out her hand and smiled her sweetest on mr towers of the jupiter mr towers she said i am delighted to have this opportunity of seeing you in my own house miss dunstable i am immensely honoured by the privilege of being here said he the honour done is all conferred on me and she bowed and curtsied with very stately grace each thoroughly understood the badinage of the other and then in a few moments they were engaged in very easy conversation by the by sowerby what do you think of this threatened dissolution said tom towers we are all in the hands of providence said mr sowerby striving to take the matter without any outward show of emotion but the question was one of terrible import to him and up to this time he had heard of no such threat nor had mrs harold smith nor miss dunstable nor had a hundred others who now either listened to the vaticinations of mr towers or to the immediate report made of them but it is given to some men to originate such tidings and the performance of the prophecy is often brought about by the authority of the prophet on the following morning the rumour that there would be a dissolution was current in all high circles they have no conscience in such matters no conscience whatever said a small god speaking of the giants a small god whose constituency was expensive mr towers stood there chatting for about twenty minutes and then took his departure without making his way into the room he had answered the purpose for which he had been invited and left miss dunstable in a happy frame of mind i am very glad that he came said mrs harold smith with an air of triumph yes i am glad said miss dunstable though i am thoroughly ashamed that i should be so after all what good has he done to me or to any one and having uttered this moral reflection she made her way into the rooms and soon discovered dr thorne standing by himself against the wall well doctor she said where are mary and frank you do not look at all comfortable standing here by yourself i am quite as comfortable as i expected thank you 
said he they are in the room somewhere and as i believe equally happy that's spiteful in you doctor to speak in that way what would you say if you were called on to endure all that i have gone through this evening there is no accounting for tastes but i presume you like it i am not so sure of that give me your arm and let me get some supper one always likes the idea of having done hard work and one always likes to have been successful we all know that virtue is its own reward said the doctor well that is something hard upon me said miss dunstable as she sat down to table and you really think that no good of any sort can come from my giving such a party as this oh yes some people no doubt have been amused it is all vanity in your estimation said miss dunstable vanity and vexation of spirit well there is a good deal of the latter certainly sherry if you please i would give anything for a glass of beer but that is out of the question vanity and vexation of spirit and yet i meant to do good pray do not suppose that i am condemning you miss dunstable ah but i do suppose it not only you but another also whose judgment i care for perhaps more than yours and that let me tell you is saying a great deal you do condemn me dr thorne and i also condemn myself it is not that i have done wrong but the game is not worth the candle ah that's the question the game is not worth the candle and yet it was a triumph to have both the duke and tom towers you must confess that i have not managed badly soon after that the greshams went away and in an hour's time or so miss dunstable was allowed to drag herself to her own bed that is the great question to be asked on all such occasions is the game worth the candle end of chapter twenty nine recording by nick whitley purdy united kingdom